Welcome to the Lost Tapes of History podcast. You're about to eavesdrop on the first 10 minutes of a private conversation between a Tudor personality and, frankly, someone just trying to do their job. The date is June 1527. King Henry VIII is desperate to get rid of his first wife, Catherine, who isn't playing ball with his request for a divorce or annulment. He tries to get her to enter a nunnery as a final straw. Good morning, my child. Good morning, sister. Sister Mary Clarence is my name. I think I know you. Do you sing in a choir? Have you visited St. Catherine's Convent? Of course. It is my namesake, after all. Well, that's excellent news. I thought you might like that little touch. Something tells me that you aren't here for matins. No, not exactly. Then why are you here? Wolsey asked me to come. Do not mention that man's name to me. Well, Wolsey? Did you know that he has resorted to unpleasant methods to discredit me? He tells everyone that I have a disease of my sexual organs. And that's not true? No. I have gone through the menopause, that's all. So no more children for you then? It would take a miracle, seeing as how Henry refuses to spend a night with me. I mean, I'm good, but I'm not that good. So, why are you here? I'm here because, how can I put it? Anglo-Spanish relations are at an all-time low. I think it's fair to say that. I've come to recommend our order to you, to ask you to come and live with us permanently. As an anointed queen, stepping aside to enter a convent is an insult. Campeggio says you must consider your options. <laughs> he also said I was nearly 50. Chicky git, I'm 42. He doesn't want you to go through the scandal. I'll tell you what's scandalous. Trading me in for a younger model. I trust you are referring to Mistress Anne Boleyn. To leave the throne for my lady-in-waiting is unthinkable. I am the daughter of two monarchs. She is the descendant of a merchant. Well, yes. She supports this new reformed religion. If she is queen, she will change the world. It is disastrous. I do understand how you feel. Did you know... We were all housed in the same palace at Greenwich. I went out of my way to meet them both, alone and together, using my presence to divide them. And what was the strategy behind that? They say, keep your enemy close. But not that close. I acted like a chaperone, preventing them from intimacy or plotting behind my back. I thought she would be ashamed and leave, but she didn't. She isn't going to give up so easily. I see that now. 
She has her clothes in him. Going to a convent is the only real solution that would permit you to retire with your dignity intact. Given your piety and your age... Why does everyone keep going on about my age? It's not an unreasonable suggestion for a widow, as many former queens have done it. I'm not a widow! Although I'm sure he'd prefer to be a widower. If anything happens to me, look to the Boleyn family. The Boleyns? They will be the ones holding the poison. Have you met her father? Don't upset yourself. Was I upset when, at 15, I left my parents in Spain to come to England and never saw them again? Um. Let me tell you, to a princess that was accustomed to the elegant and breathtaking Alhambra, Ladlow felt like a hellhole. But I coped. Well done. If you've lived in Ladlow, you can cope with anything. I'll take your word for it. They said, for God's sake, don't drink the water. It's undrinkable. Drink wine instead. I mean, what a country. I forget that you have lived here for most of your life now. When my first husband died, I was still 15. We had no time together at all. Why didn't you go home to Spain? Eh, it wasn't what my parents wanted. They didn't want the king to return me with the money, so they were supportive of a new marriage to his brother, Henry. But it wasn't quick, was it? Money was tight. I had an income, but it was hard to manage. Pretty soon I was destitute and unable to buy essentials like clothing. It started to affect my health. That must have been difficult. When the marriage didn't take place, everyone turned against me. I turned to religion for comfort. It was my only link with my home and my family. Is that when Father Diego Fernandez appeared? My confessor? Yes. I needed an emotional life raft, and he provided one. Did he? My mother had just died. My father was ignoring me. I was ill and poor, and nothing seemed likely to change. So Diego helped. He gave me friendship, good company, and a sympathetic ear. I had to wait eight years to marry Henry. I was 23. He was only 17. Wasn't Diego convicted of fornication and had to leave England? <laughs> we don't talk about that. I don't suppose he likes to bring it up either. I would remain on my knees in prayer for hours, rising in the small hours of the night to celebrate loads. The cricket? The moment of daybreak. Are you sure you're a nun? Yes, dear. Hmm. Before my marriage, the Pope gave permission to restrict my religious observances. He said they were excessive and injurious to my health. That doesn't sound like the Pope to me. I am deeply wedded to the old ways of worship, of sacraments, pilgrimages, 
shrines and relics. I am devoted to the Virgin Mary. Well, we have plenty of all that at St. Catherine's. All that? You know, if you have things you want to take with you. I take this everywhere I go. This is a picture of your daughter, Mary, and your mother, presumably. And who are these two? St. Anne and St. Elizabeth. Are you sure you're a nun? Of course I am. Look at this habit. Who would choose to wear this on a day like today? I'm baking. Hmm. In the beginning. In the beginning, our love was genuine. We had a shared vision and were united in the same things. The same journey was before us. Sounds lovely, but... I was everything he wanted in a woman. We were the ideal couple. Henry and I prayed together in the true faith. Yes, but... Erasmus published a book called The Institution of Marriage and dedicated it to me. Never heard of it. He said our union was the most sacred and fortunate, an exemplary match from which others might learn. Erasmus isn't the sharpest tool in the box. They wrote the manual on marriage about us. Did Henry actually read it? I have no idea. Didn't it leave you in charge once, when he was away leading an expedition? Yes. I was regent while I was four months pregnant. Ah. Your pregnancies. I lost four children in five years. I felt like a failure. The king considers himself childless and married to an old woman. We aren't childless. We have Mary. And I'm only 42. We have a very comfortable life in the convent. I think you'd enjoy it. I am not here to enjoy things. I wear a sackcloth shift under my clothes as an act to mortify my flesh. It is a constant reminder of the suffering of Christ. Right. Well, most of us don't go in for all that. Henry's soul is in peril, and my job is to bring him back to the true faith. I don't think he's going to listen. It might surprise you to know that I always suspected that he had lovers throughout our marriage. It also doesn't surprise me that he has father children. Really? I have learned to bite my tongue so often it's a miracle I have one left. Perhaps you should have said something. It was to my advantage for Henry to believe I was ignorant of his plans. But I didn't know he wanted to marry Anne. Was it really a surprise? I knew he had doubts, but it was a shock to hear him say it. When it was unspoken, I would ignore it. What happened? There was a secret ecclesiastical trial to investigate the validity of our marriage. Wolsey summoned Henry to court to answer for his actions. And did he? Uh, Wolsey lost his nerve and referred the case to Rome. And then everything changed. In what way? The Pope was captured by my nephew. Your nephew? 
Charles, the Holy Roman Emperor, the most powerful man in Europe. Oh, I see. Ironically, my relationship with Charles had been an asset. Now it was a liability. My visitors and communications were monitored. Why? They thought I would try and make him force the Pope to support me. What did you think would happen then? I believed that the king, after pursuing his course for some time, would turn away and yielding to his conscience, would change his purpose as he had done at other times and return to reason. Have you met Henry? After 18 years of marriage, I am very good at reading his moods. But if I don't have access to him, I struggle to understand him. Has it really been 18 years? And in all those 18 years, no one has questioned my position or my marriage before. So how did Henry put it to you? He said we were living in mortal sin and that we must separate with me retiring to a convent. And what did you say? I repeated that I had never lain with Arthur and that I was his lawful wedded wife. He ignored me and said, where do you want to retire? What happened then? I burst into tears. He said, we should keep the matter between ourselves. And what did you think then? I thought it was theoretical. I had time. I might be able to change his mind. You're determined, I'll give you that. At first, I prayed for the sweating sickness to return that I might die. Oh no. But then, I changed my mind. I intend to live and die in this state of matrimony to which God has called me. But you might change your mind again. I will always remain of that opinion and I will never change it. You know, if he doesn't get his own way, he will apply for a dispensation to Marianne. This is about me and Henry. I'm his equal, not a subject to be discarded and treated less. What do you think God thinks? God has given me this path, and by God, I will walk it. You'll have to give up eventually. If I give up, my daughter will be illegitimate. What will happen to her? I doubt anything much would happen to her. This isn't just my future, but hers as well. I can't influence or make decisions about her future if I'm not at court. Mary will understand. I have told Mary to be brave and strong in the face of opposition and adopt the mindset of a martyr. I'm not sure that's going to bird well for Mary as a life strategy. Is this endless court cases I detest? They're likely to hold another one until they get the result they want. I question the court's authority. I am obeying a higher authority than even my husband. Who's that then? God! Seriously? Are you really a nun? Yes. I just don't see it. Even if the court is declared unlawful, it doesn't make the king want you back again. Why not? If not Anne, it would be someone else. He will just try and find another way. I shall say, 
for each doctor or lawyer who might declare in your favor and against me, I shall find 1,000 to declare that the marriage is good and indissoluble. Is dissoluble even a word? Many English subjects are in favor of me, you know, particularly the women. Well, they would, wouldn't they? I may have lost my husband, but I have a mission to bring about his salvation. He needs to be saved from himself. Well, I'm not going to disagree with you there. But it is not a divorce. It is an annulment. There cannot be two queens. I will become Princess Dowager. Outrageous! Which is why I really think you should seriously consider joining our convent. (sighs) Do you know what happened to my sister? No. Her husband, Philip, died and father took over. She was queen in name only, and he incarcerated her in a convent. Ah, something tells me she didn't enjoy it. I imagine she will be there for 50 odd years. Can you believe that? Um, hello, I'm a nun, voluntarily. So yes, I can imagine that. My point is that she didn't ask for that. Well, go and live somewhere quietly. What about the moor in Rickmansworth? Oh, I object to being sent there. Why? It is one of the worst houses in England and I would rather be lodged in the tower. It might come to that. Fine. I have to tell you that disobedience may result in the reduction of your household staff. All I need is my confessor, my physician, an apothecary and uh, two ladies-in-waiting. We have all that at the convent. We're not backwards, you know. I am not going to join a convent. I am not prepared to be a victim. I will fight every step of the way. But... I will resist every change and challenge and cling to every victory. What victories? If I die, then I die the death of a martyr. Right. But I'd just like to point out that it's much harder to argue with Henry when you're dead. Next time, it's Cardinal Woolsey and the career coach. I hope he's paid by the hour. The Lost Texts of History podcast is a Synth 79 production. If you've enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to get more episodes. To fact check what you've heard on this person, visit our website, losttapesofhistory.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at Synth79P and use the hashtag Lost Tapes of History. 